Welcome to Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. Hi, I'm Cinderay. Like a ray of sunshine, I founded Happiness Hives to help people just break free of the toxic systems that are keeping them stuck in these unhealthy habits. And I help people to get their healthy M&Ms in, meditation and meals, whole food meals. So that's what I do. <laughs> so much more. <laughs> I have five kids, three grandkids. I got married after when my oldest was three. So I was this teenage mom. I never left my baby overnight for three years until my wedding night. So I always had wanted to stay home. And then when I was pregnant with Darius, that's when I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to be away from my kids. My daughter was in seven different daycares by the time she was three. So when I had Darius, I thought I was going to do everything right. You know, like we do, like I did with her, whatever we think right is always looks different. So with seven years gap, I had my girl. And then he was the first of four kids I had with my husband. She was my teenage baby, you know. <laughs> so I was married for 18 years. I got married in the temple in Portland because I wanted my daughter to be sealed to me. This is the religious structure I was in at the time. But I remember in the temple, my mom and my grandma, they couldn't go in. So there was another room outside that I could get dressed in. And I was thinking, I want to tell him I don't want to get married. I like inside, I did not want to get married. When I walked in, I saw him. I had so much anger. I'm like, this is not what I want to do. The next morning, I thought, this is my car. I want to pick up my daughter and I want to leave. But I didn't because what I learned is it didn't matter who you married, it's how you treat them. And I thought, I'm going to be the best wife ever. I'm going to be loving, kind, supportive, serving, giving. And after almost 18 years, I realized I couldn't do it anymore. What was the religion and the temple? What is that? So Mormon or LDS or Latter-day Saint, which that whole experience was amazing. And I loved it. So 20 to 40, hardcore LDS is what I like to say. Love the church. That was a good experience. I had the same experience with my first husband, honestly. I shouldn't have gotten married and knew it as I was getting married and still did and was with him for 12 years. I think that's good information that people need to know. Follow your heart. You know, we just have to trust ourselves. We've given this gift of intuition. I believe you now that I'm a 55-year-old woman. My mom had died when I was 18 and I had gone through a lot of dating. I was looking for love a lot and he came along and I grabbed on. And then I was so scared to not have that life I imagined you know, to back out at that time. That was the same for me. I wanted my daughter. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be the loser, teenage pregnant mom. You know, you felt dirty and unclean. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be a good person. So I'm like, I'm going to, the Mormons, they have good moms. I'm going to be a good mom and I'm going to get married. That's what I wanted. I understand that. Well, tell me about Darius. So Darius was super funny. It's amazing what we forget like about our kids when they're young, but he had a little speech impediment, like he's ticks and, and a stutter and different things, but just really loving, kind and supportive. So when I went through the divorce, it was really hard on him because that was our only boy, you know, that was his dad. And so I chose to leave through having an affair and there's a whole story behind that. So that wasn't a good example. And we always get what we say we're not going to do. So of course, you know, I think I'm like the perfect wife and mother for all those years. <gasps> I would never have an affair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me eat my words. <laughs> I've done it so many times and so many stupid things. My kids would never. And then the next one, oh, never mind. <laughs> so I've just learned to love and accept everyone because we are really doing the best we can. 
no matter what it looks like outside of us, we're all doing the best we can with what we know and the support that we have. I agree with you 100%. I feel that. How old was Darius when you got a divorce? He was maybe 13. So I thought it would be good if he spent time with his dad. And I didn't realize how much his dad hated me, which he had every right to. In September 2013, his dad says that he was prescribed drugs wrong, prescription drugs from the doctors, you know, the painkillers, how people got addicted. It made him crazy. And so he burned our house down. So after the house burned down, my son didn't want to live with me because he believed all of those awful things. And not all of them were true. But luckily, we had some really good friends. One of them was, it was his best friend. And so they took him in and she tried to get him counseling. He didn't want it, but she would talk to him and never tell him what to think. But she's like, oh, do you, do you really believe those things? Do you think that's really true about your mom? And I'm so grateful because there's so many months that changed everything. And then he chose to come to live with me. And we had such a great relationship from that point forward. So that took about a year process after the house. What happened to your ex for burning down your house? He did go to jail for six months for arson. My son um, graduated from Ferris. He was all enrolled to go to Eastern Washington University. And he was just a good kid. Like we, I loved him. And I was like to say he was like my co-parent, probably had too many responsibilities. You know, with all the girls, I don't think his feelings or needs got met because girls are louder. They're going to cry. And so on his 19th birthday, which was June 23rd, June 25th, I took my girls out for the day. And then that morning, I had gone out dancing the night before. Maybe I drank too much. So Darius, for whatever reason, put this cassette player in the living room and played like Tony Bennett. And I'm like, that is so awesome. So I was listening. I asked him to change the tape. And then he left. And then I called him right away. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot. I left my car because I drank last night. So I got a ride home can you come pick me up? So he picked me up, took me to my car. We went to the farmer's market, Liberty Lake, had a burrito like we always did. And then um, he was going to go camping that day. So him and his best friend went out to Coeur d'Alene Lake. And then they decided to come home. And he called me. I was up getting my kids pizza in Kellogg. I had like a gift certificate and it was taking forever. And I was really frustrated. I had my girls all day and I was tired. Mm -hmm. He called me and he, I could hear in his voice how sad he just didn't sound good, but I was so frustrated. I'm like, you know what? I'll talk to you when I get home. And that's the first time I never said, I love you. So when we got home, the little girls were eight, my daughter, Francesca and my granddaughter, Kalina, they're 20 days apart to the exact minute. And they ran into the bathroom and then Franny came back out and she's like, Hey mom, Darius, Darius is on the floor and he's not moving. And it's that moment, like I knew that something wasn't right because I never seen my son like drunk or passed out or anything. And and when I walked in and I saw him, he was lying on his back and his eyes were closed and there was this pool of blood around his head that was just starting bright red and just starting to dry on the outside. And that was the most awful moment of my life. And I'm so sorry that the girls had to see that. And then I just started screaming and screaming because I didn't know what to do. And then there's just, God put so many good people in our lives. So I told the little girls to go with Lexi. There was, that was like the office manager at Bitterroot where we were living. And she's like, Cindy, it's interesting. She's like, I was going to go out. And for some reason I, I stayed home. And then your girls came over and I knew why. 
Mm. So yeah, he'd committed suicide. And what I found out with my gun that we bought to protect us from his dad after the house burned down. Mm. And what I learned later is his dad had so many mental issues that he had taken Darius and Elena, that's his younger sister, they were best friends, into the bedroom and said, if you ever want to kill yourself or someone else, and he showed him how, so he showed him how to shoot off his brainstem, because if you shoot through your mouth sometimes, you live. I've talked to people like that. So he shot off his brainstem, which was a blessing because when we saw him, I think all of the mess was behind the door. So the girls never saw that. And my last picture was as horrible as it was, it wasn't a horror movie. It wasn't a horror scene. So how many years ago was this? So that was in 2016. So that's our non-negotiable. So every year, June 23rd to 25th, we call it Darius's anniversary. So my girls can do anything for Christmas, Thanksgiving, but we get together. And it was even within 24 hours after he died, we went and we stayed with my aunt and uncle. And that next morning, I think we got there about midnight. And then the next morning we were going on a walk. They had a park next to them. And my daughter, she's like, well, when can we be happy again, mom? And I'm like, we can be happy right now. The sun's shining. We're at the park. And maybe in five minutes, we want to cry again. But then we can be happy again. You never have to not be happy. There shouldn't be a day that goes by that there aren't moments of happiness. That's really great advice. And one thing that I did know is that we program our brains by the thoughts that we think. And so I, it was so overwhelming. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Because I'd seen people who've lost children or someone close to them five years later, 10 years later, it's the same story. They, they're not over it. They're stuck. And so my first words were, my son is dead and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so that was just the first way that I'm like, he's dead and it's okay. Yeah. I so appreciate that only because... I know how hard that must have been. No, I have no idea how hard that must have been. And I I can't even imagine. But I do know that no matter what happens, as horrible as it all is, it's okay. You can make it to the next day. I guess in that way, it's okay. And you do have a choice whether or not to be happy. I'm so impressed that you knew that right away. Well, and one of the skills of knowing that is I'd done all of these natural therapy modalities because I didn't wasn't going to take pharmaceuticals. I've been diagnosed with like clinical depression and other things. And they're like, no, you really need to take something. And I'm like, no. Yeah. And so maybe it's not the first natural, you know, maybe you use an essential oil or an herb and it doesn't work. Yeah. Maybe I use an essential oil and herb. I go on walks every day. I eat whole foods. I start journaling and then I feel better. When you're doing natural remedies, you have to combine it. It's a lifestyle. It's yeah. not this herb fixes this. That mentality never works. And pharmaceuticals don't work that way either because my ex-husband was on them for years and I don't see that they fixed anything. Also, our chemistry changes. So what might work at one point might not work later. Yes. And then you still have to deal with it. I had another friend, you know, well, Cindy, I, I lost my child. And so I had to take something because I was sad. I'm like, yeah, I was sad too because I'm supposed to be sad but I don't have to be sad 24 seven. And I've had other people tell me I I felt guilty being happy. You don't have to feel guilty. Be happy as much as you can be and then be sad, be in the moment and then allow yourself to come back out. I'm just so happy you're saying that. I wish everybody could know that. And one of the best tools for that is meditation. So in 2015, I was the very last class to have to be certified in person at the Chopra Center. I've gone four different times. and 
daily meditation means you sit quietly in yourself, not guided. It's where you're actually learning to meditate because in our distracted world, we're making ourselves anxious and depressed and meditation can solve even anger issues and different things. So I'd had that tool, which I think really helped me to be able. So my brain was already in a position to be able to say those things to myself. You never know when you need it. So those tools do them now. So for somebody just starting out, though, do you think guided meditation is okay just so they can start getting used to maybe what they can say to themselves? What are your thoughts on guided meditation? Because I know for so many that that's all they could possibly do. Needing your phone to meditate is like holding an AA meeting in a liquor store. For the first eight minutes, you're sitting there. So many people start with five. You've programmed your mind constantly. You're constantly listening to stuff. The TV's on, your phone's on. You're touching your phone 2,000 times a day. There's all this noise. Your brain has to talk. It's stress relief. So it's going to talk a whole bunch really fast because you're finally getting stuff out. Like a hoarder who keeps putting stuff in their house and they never take anything out. We do that to our heads. It takes a long time to get that stuff out. So the first eight minutes, you basically feel like you're going to go crazy. And then you learn your mind starts getting rid of the stress and then it starts quieting down. It takes practice. Yoga Nidra is amazing. If people have done no meditation, most people aren't sleeping enough. There are so many mental problems, physical problems. You crave food when you don't get enough sleep. You eat more, you gain weight because your body's just trying to get energy. Yoga Nidra is like a sleep nap. person I know I met once unfriended me and it really hurt my feelings this morning and I didn't know what to do with those feelings and I told Facebook to tell me nice things about me (laughs) because I didn't know how to work through it I mean I know I'm loved by the people who love me and this person it's okay that she doesn't but maybe a yoga pose would have been better than reaching out to Facebook one book it's called the untethered soul have you read that Mm mm-hmm So people told me to read it for years. And then I finally did. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone needs to read it. Why did I wait so long? I have a friend who rereads it every single year. So I'm reading it again. And it's exactly what you're talking about. How do you process emotions? By being able to meditate, it's easier to process your emotions. It's being able to sit in them. So I've been practicing that. So a lot of times I'll wake up at night and that's when a lot of those bad feelings come. The guilt, the, I mean, all the, all the stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you learn how to just sit there and you feel it, you label it. And it's interesting and pretty soon it's just energy. And at first it really hurts. I'm sure every single person's had that moments where you feel so bad. You're so depressed. You're so anxious. You feel awful. But when you learn how to let those emotions move through you like it should, it's just energy. Then you get back to who you are right away. Okay. I'm having some strong emotions. What am I feeling? Oh yeah, I feel guilty because of this. I feel embarrassed. I feel humiliated. I feel, and pretty soon you're just with it and then it's gone. And also it's just a thought. We destroy our lives based on our thoughts and we can change our thoughts. When you meditate, you have the power to change your own thoughts. Change your thoughts, you change your life. I mean, my first thought was, oh my gosh, what did I do? She doesn't like me. And then I got to... It's okay that she doesn't like me. If she doesn't like me, it's okay that I'm feeling these feelings. I was trying to witness my thoughts is what I'm trying to say. Yes. And that's the untethered soul because it's like he goes through that. So definitely a book worth reading, especially with you just nailed what that book's about. Like it will answer all of your questions. (laughs) Oh, okay. I heard once where you go, if you have a thought and you're meditating, 
you like flick it away like a cloud. I love the idea of flicking a thought away. No, no. But also appreciate what you're saying is that it's okay to feel the feelings. And that's where I got to get to. Research wise, if you start feeling something, it's a 90 second curve. If you let yourself feel it, if you try and step it, you're talking hours. It really is 90 seconds unless you step it and try to hold it down or try and change it. I can do anything for 90 seconds. Yeah. So just sit there and you're feeling for 90 seconds. Pay attention to what it is. And then it goes away and you're like, wow, it's gone. Maybe another one comes in to take its place. If you, you know, if you're really struggling, maybe another one and just move through however many until you're just done. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beneath Your Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thank you for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned.